Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to this time, Lord, we just thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we pray that you would write its eternal truth on our hearts this morning, Lord. Lord, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see. Let us worship now in attentiveness to your word. And Lord, we pray your written word would point us to your word who became flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to John chapter 19, the Gospel of John chapter 19. We're looking at uh, verses 31 through chapter 2010. John 19, 31 through chapter 20, verse 10 this morning. As we consider victory over death, Jesus' victory over death. Now this past week, I was driving across the delta, and I was I looked across the field there, and, and there was a, a, a field that had just been freshly plowed. And so the dirt was turned over, still had the moisture in it, rich, dark brown earth looking up at the sun. And as I continued on, suddenly that field changed to another field. And, and suddenly that, that deep, dark brown field turned to a, a field with a, a green haze over it, a green hue all across it. As I began to look closely at the field, I began to notice that the field had been set in rows, and down those rows there were little sprouts of corn coming up, causing that brown dirt to have that green hue. It just reminded me of springtime. I mean, we are in the midst of spring, and spring represents life. New life, as we, we see the crops beginning to, to break the soil and as we begin to see the, the flowers bloom. Springtime is a time of life and vitality. Ironically, as I was admiring the life of spring, I was on the road to a funeral. The representation of death. The end of life. Scripture tells us that there is a season and a time for everything. A time to live and a time to die. But you know, because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear death. Death does not have to be a time of, of deep sorrow. Death does not have to be a time to, to fear and tremble over today I want us to see in this passage considering Jesus' resurrection that you dear friend can trust Jesus has won the victory over death because of his divine power displayed in his death burial and his resurrection as you look down life's highway and, and Certainly, you and I will all face death unless the Lord returns beforehand. 
We will all face death, but we need not fear death because we can trust that Jesus Christ has won the victory over death because of His divine power over His death, burial, and resurrection. So today I hope to encourage you and give you uh, joy and courage as you face the days ahead that you might trust in the victory of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been with us over the course of the last few weeks, we began back in John chapter 18. We've been really focusing on the day of crucifixion thus far. And in John chapter 18, we saw Jesus, the innocent Son of God, gave himself up freely for his people. He was arrested and condemned on behalf of his people. John chapter 19, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at verses 16 through 30, and we, there we saw that Jesus was exalted on the cross as he was crucified, accomplishing God's plan of redemption, God's perfect plan of redemption. And today, as we look at this text, we're going to see three reasons you can trust Jesus has won the victory over death. Three reasons you, dear friend, can trust that Jesus has won the victory over death on your behalf. Now, the last time we looked, and we were in chapter 19 there, you remember Jesus was on the cross, and his final words were, as he looked up into the heavens, was, it is finished. And with that cry, Jesus gave up his spirit. He had completed the work of redemption. He had went to the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, our disobedience against God. And when every ounce of sin had been paid for, when all the work had been completed, in that moment, Jesus gave up his spirit. He wasn't killed. No one took his life from him, but he gave it up freely, willingly for us. And so today we pick up the story, and Jesus is still there on the cross. And we see what takes place thereafter. Picking up in verse 31, since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs, the prisoners, the, the ones, Jesus and the other two who were hanging there on their crosses, they asked that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But, on, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken and again, another scripture was, says, they will look on him 
whom they have pierced. As we look at this, this paragraph here in our text today, we see here that you can trust in Jesus. You can trust that Jesus has won the victory over death because of his divine power displayed in his death. You can trust he has won the victory over death because of his divine power displayed in his death. Now, as the crucifixion has taken place and Jesus has died, he has given up his spirit. John here notices that it is the day of preparation. That is, it's the day to prepare for the Sabbath because on the Sabbath day there was not to be any work done. So, so people had to get ready for that day on Friday before. This is also a high Sabbath. It's a high day because it's also the Sabbath of of the, uh, the Passover. And, and so some of them have to go back and get ready to observe the Passover. Now, if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus and his disciples, they had already observed the Passover. They had eaten the Passover meal uh, the night before on Thursday night. And now the, the religious leaders and others there in Jerusalem, they're preparing for the, the Passover meal on Friday night. And maybe you have wondered, maybe in the past, now how is it that Jesus observed the Passover on Thursday night, and now the religious leaders are observing the Passover on Friday night? Maybe that's crossed your mind, maybe not, but I want to tell you why anyway. Uh, during that time, the, the, the Jews, they had to observe the Passover in Jerusalem. That was the only place that they could sacrifice the lamb, and observe the Passover meal. Well, you can imagine there were many Jews who came in from all over the Roman Empire. There were people from Galilee and far beyond Galilee that came to Judea and to the city of Jerusalem to observe the Passover. Well, the, uh, Jerusalem was full of people, so packed full that they were having to stay out in the region around Jerusalem just to, to house all of the people. And so at that time in history, they had two nights that they observed the Passover meal together. Thursday night was the night that those from Galilee and beyond would come into Jerusalem and they would observe the Passover. So Jesus and his disciples, they were from Galilee, all except for Judas. And so they came in on Thursday night and observed the Passover meal together, the Passover supper together. But tonight, Friday night, that good Friday, that was the night and that the, the Jerusalem people, the people of Jerusalem and Judea, they would come into town and observe the Passover. I want you to notice this because this is absolutely significant. Jesus is the Passover lamb who was sacrificed on the Passover. Now, the Passover was something that God had set in place years and years, thousands of years prior to, to this, when he brought, uh, brought Israel out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. He had set up the Passover. And in the Passover meal, he said that there, you are to take a lamb without blemish, without spot, and you're to sacrifice the lamb, and you're not to break one bone in that lamb's body. And you're to partake of that lamb 
Because that lamb is the sacrifice for you. That lamb was the lamb who was sacrificed, who who took the place of the people of Israel as God passed over the land of Egypt with judgment. Everywhere that he saw the lamb, the blood of the lamb, of the Passover lamb upon the doorpost of the house, God passed over that house in judgment. Now we have here on the day of the Passover the lamb to which all of those other lambs was pointing to, Jesus Christ, God's Passover lamb, who hung on the cross, who died on the cross. And just as the the word of God had prophesied, not one bone in his body was broken. Now here we have the case where the, the... this is the night of Passover and, and Jesus and his, these other two criminals with him hung on crosses. The other two gentlemen are, are alive and well. Well, not well, but they're alive. They're alive. They're still lingering on. And, and the crucifixions were meant to be that way. They, they were meant to, to last for days. To keep these criminals in agony and pain for, for days. But being that this is the Passover and this is the day of preparation for the Sabbath, the religious leaders in their own uh, kind of morality, they go and ask that the legs of those men be broken because that would hasten death. It would hasten death. It would cause them to die quicker so that they could go ahead and get them down off of the cross, off of their crosses before evening. Because the Word of God says that though you may punish one by hanging them on a tree, they should not be last until evening. By evening time, you take them down and, and you bury them. And so they ask that this be done, but when they get to Jesus, Jesus had already died. He had already given up his spirit. So while they broke the bones of the other two men who still lingered on, Jesus had finished his work. He had died, and just as the word of God was spoken, not one bone in his body was broken. Oh, the wonder and the might of God, who ordains all of history, who is sovereign over all of history, who planned that moment and that day, wrote it to us thousands of years before it ever happened, and he brought it to pass just as he said. Not one bone in our Lord's body was broken. And John notices that. He recognizes that that is a fulfillment of the prophecy. For these things took place that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. But another Scripture is fulfilled there as well. Because the soldiers, they, they had to make sure that Jesus was dead. Uh, there was no chance for them. Romans did not make a mistake when it came to crucifixion. They did not make mistakes. They, if, they were, if someone was put in their charge and they were condemned to die, that person died. Or else they might end up on a cross. And so they had to make sure that Jesus was dead. So one of the soldiers picks up his spear and he looks up to Jesus and he stabs him in the heart. 
Scripture says that when he stabbed him in the heart, out came a mixture of blood and water. And so is, this is to fulfill the Scripture that says they looked, they will look on him whom they have pierced. This is a prophecy that was fulfilled, that was given to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 reads, And I, this is the Lord speaking, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, now notice that, God says, when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. God said there in Zechariah, they will look on me, their God, whom they have pierced. Jesus Christ was the very Son of God, God in human flesh who came to this earth. He lived a life in complete obedience to the will of God, yet he went to Calvary's cross. And there he suffered and he died as a condemned man in your place and in my place. He took on our judgment, our condemnation, so that we might enjoy the blessings reserved for him in heaven. God came and put on human flesh, and they, were, they pierced his side just as the Scriptures had said. Here we see that Jesus, His divine power is displayed for us in His death. Every minute, every, uh, every second that took place in the whole crucifixion was under the sovereign power of God. Not one thing took place that God had not preordained. Not one thing took place outside of the will of God. God was in control. His divine power was on display in that moment, the moment of Jesus' death. No one took the life from Jesus, but Jesus freely gave it up for you and for me. Today we can trust that Jesus has won the victory over death because of Jesus' sovereignty over death. In, in Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4 tells that an event in the life of Jesus where Jesus got into a boat, got into the boat with his disciples, and they, they set sail across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, exhausted by the work of the ministry, he laid down in the bottom of the boat and went to sleep. And then, as night came, the winds began to pick up, and the waves began to, to rock and, and slash against the boat. So much so that they, the Scripture tells us that there was water coming in the side of the boat. And the disciples were terrified. Surely, this is our moment of perishing. We are going to die right here on the middle of this sea. And they, they reach down to Jesus and they, they wake him up. I mean, he's sound asleep. 
They reach down and they shake him and they wake him up and they say, Lord, Lord, do, not, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus stands up. He looks out across the, the waves and he looks up to the wind and he, and he says, Peace, be still. And in that moment, peace fell upon the sea. The winds quit blowing. The waves settled. It was like a sea of glass. Now do you imagine from then on when the disciples got into a boat with Jesus, do you think they feared for their life like they had done before? For here was the man who could command even the, the winds to cease and they ceased blowing. Oh, dear friend, as we look at the power of Jesus over death, we should have that same courage in the face of death. There's no fear in death, for Jesus is sovereign over death, and he has won the victory over death. You can be encouraged today. You can know that Jesus has won the victory over death because of his display of power over death death second because of we can trust that Jesus has won the victory over death because of his divine power displayed in his burial we can trust he has won the victory over death because of his divine power displayed in his burial notice here verse 38 after these things Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. Now Joseph is a, a silent disciple of Jesus, but notice here that he's not silent anymore. He had been silent because he feared the religious leaders. They might kick him out of the synagogue. Uh, but no longer is he fearful because now he has this courage Seeing his Lord crucified, he has courage to go before Pilate. Oh, let me just say, dear friend, if you've ever felt like you've let the Lord down, the Lord can still use you. The Lord still loves you. We've all failed him somehow, some way. Maybe a time you, you felt like the secret disciple where, where you've kept quiet when you should have spoken up. Let go of the guilt. The Lord loves you. Just the same. And he'll continue to use you if you'll give yourself over to him. But notice that Joseph, excuse me, he goes to Pilate and he asks Pilate for the body of Jesus. And, and the strange thing is that Pilate gives him permission. Pilate gives him permission to go get the body of Jesus down off the cross and bury it. Now this was, this was not common in, in, Roman, uh, in the Roman Empire. For a crucified criminal, uh, they weren't deserving of burial. So typically, they hauled them off to the garbage, garbage heap if they didn't leave them to, to rot on the cross and allow the, the, the animals to carry off their bones. Uh, they would haul them off to a garbage heap somewhere. Uh, criminals weren't worthy of burial. But Pilate gives Joseph permission. Sure, go get his body, prepare it for burial. 
We see here the sovereignty of God working even in the burial of Jesus as he allows the body of Jesus to be taken down from the cross and submitted to the burial process. Pilate gave permission for Jesus to be buried, but, but also notice the, the tender care of these disciples. So he came and took away his body, Jesus' body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds in weight. Now, that's, that's massive. To have that, that many ointments, that many herbs and, and stuff to anoint the body, that's, that's a lot, 75 pounds. Pounds, 75 pounds of herbs and spices used to prepare the body. This was a ritual that the, the Jews conducted, but this is a massive amount. And this is going to become very important here in a moment when we look at the resurrection. It's going to show us something. But notice the tender care that these disciples took in burying the body of Jesus. They they anointed him and they wrapped him in, in linen cloth. Now this was a process where they almost like mummified him in a sense by wrapping him up in this linen cloth. And so they spent a lot of intimate time with the body of Jesus. So all of those who would say, well, Jesus really didn't die on the cross. Well, these two disciples spent a lot of time with the body of Jesus and not once did they find life in his body. Jesus was dead and his disciples take care to prepare his body for burial but then notice what it says also so they buried so the burial um, so they took the body of Jesus bound it in linen cloth and the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews now in the place now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in a garden, a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now, other, other Gospels tells us that, that this tomb was actually the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who was a quite wealthy man. And I want you to see that even this is a fulfillment of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 9 says, And they made his grave, they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Oh, God is sovereign over the every little detail, even of the burial of Jesus Christ. And a prophecy given 700, somewhere around 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus Christ, God had prophesied that he would be buried. He declared he would be buried with a rich man. And now the circumstances have worked out where Jesus is buried in Joseph's tomb, in the rich man's tomb. Oh, but praise God, it was just a borrowed tomb and he wouldn't need it long. But Jesus here displays his sovereign power over death through his burial. And let me tell you, dear friend, whatever you may be facing in life, whether it's sickness or death, 
financial troubles, drug addiction, marital problems, wayward children, difficulty at work. Whatever it may be, dear friend, let me tell you, let me assure you that you can trust in Jesus. You can put your hope and your faith in Jesus. For He is sovereign over every little detail of your life. Trust Him. Trust Him. And He will take care of you. It doesn't mean that life will always be easy. It doesn't mean you will, be, you will have riches. But nevertheless, know that God is in control. He was sovereign over the details of His burial, and He is sovereign over the details of your life. Will you trust Him? Because of the, because you can trust Jesus today. You can trust that he has won the victory over death because of his divine power displayed in his death and in his burial. And third, you can trust Jesus has won the victory over death because of his divine power displayed in his resurrection. You can trust Jesus has won the victory over death because of his divine power displayed in his resurrection. Look there at chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, this is interesting here. She noticed that the, the stone had been taken away. Other gospel accounts, they just say that it was rolled away. But in John's gospel, he says it was taken away. It kind of has this idea that it was, it was tossed aside. It was pushed out of the way. Now this was, this was a massive stone. It probably took several men just to roll this stone into place. And now Mary comes and this stone is just pushed out of the way. But there's no one there. There's no one there. Oh, now the Jews, they had set a guard over the tomb because they feared that disciples might come and take his body away and, and bring on some kind of scheme about him being resurrected because Jesus had talked about his resurrection before his death. They had set a guard. There were Roman soldiers there standing guard. But by the time Mary gets there, they're gone. Because the other gospel tells us that they were, they were so frightened when the angel came and burst open the tomb, certainly by now they had abandoned their post in fear. Mary goes to the tomb and the stone is pushed out of the way, set aside from the tomb. As we read on there, so she, she ran and went, Mary ran and went, and, and, and went to, to Simon, Peter, and the other disciple, that is, the disciple John, who's writing this letter. She went to Peter and John, to whom the, the one to whom the Lord Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And I, we do not know where they laid him. Now notice what she says, they. They have taken him out of the tomb. She doesn't know who this is. Who, who's taking him out of the tomb? She doesn't know not the disciples because she's with the disciples who's taking him away now in her mind maybe it was the roman soldiers 
or perhaps it was grave robbers. But someone has come, in her mind, someone has come and taken her Lord away. Keep that in mind. They have taken him away. And we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, with John. And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I I think John, he got that in there, didn't he? I outran him. John outran Peter, and he got to the tomb first, but then notice what, Peter, what John does. And, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Peter, Simon Peter, came following him, and here comes Peter, the big bull, coming in. And Peter comes in following him, and he went into the tomb He doesn't hesitate. He rushes right in, and he saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Notice the linen clothes. The clothes that, that... uh, Joseph and Nicodemus had, had so carefully wrapped Jesus in. They were still lying there. Just as they had been wrapped around Jesus, now they're lying there in the tomb. The spices are still there. Everything is still there. Now Mary said, they have taken him. But yet she failed to realize the clothes were still there. Had it been the Roman soldiers, certainly they would not have taken the time, first of all, to unwrap Jesus and leave the clothes in their place. Second, neither the the Roman soldiers nor grave robbers would have left all of those expensive spices laying there in their place. Had someone stolen the body of Jesus, all of that stuff would have been gone. It would have been out of place. It would have been moved along with Jesus. They certainly wouldn't leave all of that money laying there in the tomb and take the body without them. Oh, they thought, Mary thought they had taken him. But you see, the disciple that Jesus loved, John, it says, then the other disciple, verse, uh, verse 8, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. He saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now it doesn't say that Peter believed. At this point, Mary certainly doesn't believe. The next, next verses tell us uh, about how she comes to believe. But at this moment, John sees the clothes laying there. And his reason tells him that, that no one took the body. If someone took the body, the clothes wouldn't be there. The spices wouldn't be there. And at that moment, he remembered the teaching of Jesus. And it says he believed. He trusted that Jesus had been raised just as he said he would be raised. 
Oh, dear friend, Jesus shows his sovereignty, his power, his divine power over death through his resurrection. He laid down his life for you and me, and when it came time to pick it up again, he picked it up again. The grave could not hold him. Death could not bind him. For he had won the victory over sin and won the victory over death. Dear friend, you can trust that Jesus has won the victory over death because of his resurrection. No matter what this world might throw at you, the worst that anyone could ever do to you is kill you. But if you trust in Jesus... He has won the victory over death so that you no longer need to fear death. Not even death. If you trust in Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57 read, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who has won us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friend, there's no need to fear death because you can trust today that Jesus has won the victory over death. Because of his divine power displayed in his death, burial, and resurrection. In Christ alone, you have victory over death. In Christ alone, the victory is won. There is no fear of sin. There is no fear in death. Because in his divine power, Christ conquered and won the victory over both I love the hymn in Christ alone the last line goes like this no guilt and life no fear and death this is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Are you standing in the power of Jesus Christ today? If so, you can safely say without fear, I fear not death. But if you aren't standing in the power of Jesus, there is nothing but fear. For one day, surely, death will overcome you. And as Scripture tells us, after that comes judgment. There is a time and a season for everything under the sun. And just as it is appointed once for man to die, and after that comes judgment. When you stand before God, after you leave this world behind, will you stand in your, your own condemnation? Will you stand there in your sin, in your rebellion against God? Or will you stand in the perfect 
righteousness, the perfect life of Jesus. Jesus has won the victory over sin and death. He went to Calvary's cross. He came to this earth from heaven. And he lived a life in perfect obedience to the will of God the Father. And though he had never done anything wrong, deserving death, he willingly went to Calvary's cross. And there on Calvary's cross, not only did he receive the condemnation of of men, but he received willingly the condemnation of God the Father. All the forces of hell, all the fires of hell were poured out upon Jesus in that moment as he hung on the cross. He endured all of the judgment of God, the righteous anger of God in our place, your place, my place. He paid it all so that he might win the victory over death for you. And the resurrection shows that he won the victory. Death has been defeated. It no longer has power over you. You trust in Jesus. Will you trust him today? Will you give your life over to him? Be free from the fear of death. Trust Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your Son resurrected. Showing us, proving to us that you have overcome death through him. And Lord, by trusting in Jesus, we may have life everlasting. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, we need not fear. For you have given us the victory in Christ. Oh Lord, if there's one, certainly there's more than one today who does does not know the victory that Jesus provides. Lord, let them see Jesus. Open their eyes, open their, their hearts to see Jesus and trust in Him, I pray. In Christ's name I pray, amen.